Let's give Jesus a round of applause. How about that? Let's give Jesus a round of applause. Yeah. I want to say thank you to the church. I want to honor Pastor Scott, the elders. Thank you so much. Uh, Don't you guys honor them? Aren't they cool? Lord, we just thank you for them. Let's give them a round of applause. Don't you really appreciate them? Words cannot express how how thankful and and how much I truly uh, appreciate the elders here and Pastor Scott. Um, In my sermon today, I'm going to talk about a lot about my life and um, a lot some things that I went through that God taught me through and and um, and one of the things I'm going to talk about tonight is some churches I I was connected with at one point. you know, you, you, you experience a lot of interesting things in ministry. Um, unusual things happen in church, right? Don't they? And, um, but I, 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 you'll hear me say this a lot, but whenever I have the chance, I do like to, to point out that this church is so much different than any other church I've been a part of. It's just when you walk into this church, you feel the family atmosphere. And there's not many churches I've felt it like I feel it here, you know. It can be a little cold in some places, a little dry, a little uh, disconnected. You don't feel connected with people like I think you do here. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, like Brother Ed, you know, like I walk up to Brother The first thing Brother Ed does when he sees me today is he grabs me and does this like Andre the Giant bear hug move. And I was like, who does Brother Ed think that he is? I am being ordained tonight. That's not how you greet the man of God. But deep inside, I I appreciated that. And it's like, you know what? Thank you, Brother Ed. You always got a big bear hug for me. There you are. I was looking for you. (laughs) He was hiding right there. He gets shy sometimes if I talk about him too much. But he's just a great example of one of those people that you just love here at this church. And you feel a connection with them. And and uh, that's largely because of the, the great work Pastor Scott and the elders do. They That's a value of theirs. They facilitate that. They cultivate that. Why? So we can feel like we're a part of a body and not like Lone Rangers, right? Who's cool with that? Anybody? Wave at me if you're cool with that. All right. I'm going to pray right now. We're going to jump right in this message. Father, we just thank you for what you're going to do tonight. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Father, we thank you that we are the body of Christ, that we come together uh, to hear you minister to us, Lord. And we just really want what you have for us tonight. We really want the fresh download from heaven. Lord, just fill everyone with the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of you, God. I pray for each individual person that is here that you would minister to them exactly what they need tonight. That they would just just so be able to tap into your voice tonight. That they would just hear it clearly. That there wouldn't be any distortion. There wouldn't be any delays. It would just be just a now word 
for every single person, Lord. I thank you for what you've done in my life, and I thank you for what you've done in the lives of those that are here. And I thank you that the story is uh, the story is yet to be continued, Lord, in their lives. And I just pray that you give them what they need for the long haul for the commission, for the call that you have on their lives, God. I pray for an impartation of faith. I pray for an impartation of power. I pray for an impartation of anointing in every person's life tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray, God, that your spirit would just come down right now and remove everything that would hinder us from receiving what you have for us and that there would just be such a presence here god to just totally encounter you totally encounter your word totally receive what you have for us on our journey come on jesus everybody say come on jesus minister to us jesus do miracles in our hearts jesus if there's anyone here that needs a healing in their body. We pray that you give it to them 100%. Because your word says that you will. And we receive it tonight. Holy Spirit, we pray for the fullness of your manifestation tonight. Just baptize us from heaven what we really need tonight, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. And Father God, we pray that your love that would just fill the house tonight and break down every wall, every barrier, every rejection. Father God, minister to us love tonight that transforms our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the title of this sermon today is called Ordination Sermon. Ordination Sermon. That's what it goes on the records as. Ordination Sermon. And... Um, the scripture we're going to talk about, that I, the key scripture for tonight is Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Open up your Bible and let's take a look at that scripture. While they were worth, and, and I'll read it when everybody's ready. I'm just going to give, while you're turning to Acts chapter 13, verse 2. If I don't see you turning, I'm going to get Ed on you, on your case. And he knows what to do, right, Ed? All right, bud. <laughs> it's it's a little bit awkward um, delivering and like an, a Good Friday slash Easter slash ordination sermon. So I'm going to cover a lot of material tonight. Okay, it's going we're starting the Book of Genesis and we're going to work all the way to the end of Book of Revelation. Okay, Just turn off your turn off your watches. Turn off your iPads. Don't forget about the time because this one's going to be an epic six and a half hours, okay? But here's the good news. We're going to get through it tonight, all right? We'll be home before tomorrow morning, all right? I promise. 
No, it's not. Well, we'll see what we'll see what the Lord does. Amen. I want to talk to you about my life a little bit because I don't know if many of you guys knew this, but I went from being a Catholic to an atheist to a Pentecostal, and a lot of people don't really. I talk about my testimony quite a bit, but somehow still people don't know it, and 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 this perfectly ties in with the Passion Week that we're in now. Because everybody's thinking about Easter. They're thinking about uh, Jesus dying on the cross and, and people being wounded. I mean, well, not people, but Jesus being wounded and beaten and scourged. And before I got saved, I mean, I was like the kind of atheist that would argue with you. You know what I'm talking about? I would argue. If people would try to talk to me about God, and I would just fight with them. Um, I, I went from being, I started off as a Catholic, and in, in the Catholic religion, I, I didn't feel like I was able to connect with God in that. And there were times when I honestly cried out for God when I was still a Catholic, but it was like there was no answer. And I would count the beads kneel before the statues, do that whole religious thing. And I just, I, it's just, it wasn't, I'm not trying to be negative. I just honestly didn't feel God in that. And I knew enough about God that to know that if, if we called ourselves, if someone called themselves a Christian, their life ought to be powerful, right? And I looked around others that were in the church and I didn't see their lives as being powerful. Because I knew our lives should be powerful by association, right? Hey, you know God, right? You walk with God, right? Shouldn't you have some power operating in your life? And I just didn't see that. I'm not trying to be negative. It's actually how I thought. And I thought, man, this Catholicism is for the birds. I was like, when I leave church, I feel even more depressed before I came in. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to down Catholics, okay? Because there are nice Catholics out there, okay? I'm not trying to be negative. This was just my experience. I became an atheist because I did not see any power in the Catholic church that I could see. And so, but the funny thing is, and, and I was smart too. I mean, I, I got a lot of good grades in college and um, my SAT scores were really good. I got into a, a good college. I hung out with all the smart kids and their kids that were all atheists and evolutionists too. And, you know, we would talk about science and, you know, how man evolved from a monkey. And we'd have these really highly intelligent conversations and so, because I was real intelligent like that, you know, I felt smart being one of the guys, one of the smart kids, right? And, 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 and back in those days, if you weren't an evolutionist, man, you were stupid. I mean, re religion, that's what dumb people have to believe to make themselves feel good about themselves. Like, and we would know about, like, Nietzsche... You know, we would confess Nietzsche to each other like, 
Religion is the anesthetic of the soul. And, and it's like, oh, there's another weakling with their crutch of spirituality to help them get through the day and cope with themselves. And this is actually how I thought, this is how atheist I really was. Now, was I wrong? Yes, I was wrong. But I went to hang out with my Catholic friends to go to their life teen group, whatever. They would totally crack up watching SpongeBob SquarePants. And, and I was like, These, I've never met people that knew how to make, knew how to have fun without spending money. And so I was like, these guys are kind of interesting, you know? So I'd hang out there, and they'd be laughing, you know, Patrick and, you know, SpongeBob, and they'd be doing crazy stuff, you know, Squidworth. And, and I would just be, I don't know, I guess I needed that, that goofiness in my life because I needed that perkiness because I was depressed. All my other friends were so depressed. I think I went to Bible studies. Studies? What's that? Studies because it was like an antidepressant for me. You know, atheists are kind of depressive by nature, right? So I needed a pick-me-up. And so I went to these Bible studies, and I don't know why I was there. I would just kind of sit through it as an atheist until one time this guy walked in, and he had such conviction, such intelligence when he spoke, such intensity. I was like, whoa, this guy is like totally not flaky. And I was like, what's up with this dude? And so I would, like, get up, like, trying to hear what he was saying. Like, this dude sounds intelligent when he talks. And I'm not trying to be native, but first time I had encountered this. And I was like, I was getting all up trying to figure out what he was going to talk about or say. I wanted to figure out what made this dude tick. And... And he said he was going to go see the movie, The Passion of the Christ. I was like, sure, I'll go. Here I'm an atheist, and I'm going to go see the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And so I go with Mark to the movie. We get in this big old truck. We go to the movie theater. And there I am sitting in the movie theater watching Jesus being whipped. Jesus being scourged, the crown of thorns being stuck in his head, the blood squirting out, the blood on the pavement, them taking those big bats with nails in them. And go, One, two, three. And I'm like, man, I'm sitting there as an atheist watching this. And I'm just, these tears start running from my eyes and I start bowling. And I'm just crying uncontrollably. And I'm like, why do I feel so messed up right now? And I'm looking over to the guy next to me. And he's all, oh, man, why you got to show that, man? Why you got to show that? And I'm like, man, this ain't messing you up like it's messing me up. I'm like, at least this is historical, man. You're complaining about this gore, gory movie. You've seen gorier stuff than this. At least some bibliographical. And I'm... And I'm wiping my eyes, just crying my eyes out, you know, and Jesus being nailed to the cross and the crown of thorns being stuck in his hands. And there was this cutaway scene where Jesus is like a, like a little, he's like a, he's like a little toddler, right? And he's, 
he's he's walking around. He's like, you know, he's coming down the, the steps, and then he stumbles and falls, and you see Mary just coming out, and she comes and she swoops him up, and 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 with tears in her eyes, and it was just just this reality in that movie theater hit me. That Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ really paid the price for my sins. Now, I didn't have a Sunday school teacher there. I didn't have a preacher. I didn't have an evangelist. I didn't have a pastor there telling me this. I was watching the brutal beating of Jesus on the movie screen, and God supernaturally encountered me in that movie theater as an atheist and divinely showed me that He is God, that He is the Son of God, that He's real. And it hit me. And I'm just bawling my eyes out. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And I was like, God, if you're real, can you heal my sleep? Because at that time, I was clinically diagnosed with insomnia. Had all, like, manic depressive. Man, they, you can ask my mom. They prescribed me all these pills. Pill after pill, and I would take them with the hopes of getting some sleep at night, but best I got was like a daze. I was in a weird daze. Just coming, sometimes I get an hour or two of sleep a night, and this went on for years. One time I went seven nights without sleep. I mean, it was literal torment. It was literal torment. And I was like, Lord, since you're real, can you heal me of my sleep? When I left that movie theater, I was waiting for somebody to ask me to come to church. And Mark said, hey, you want to come to our church? We go to this uh, full gospel church. And I was like, sure. And so I went and. Man, I was with Mark like every single day he went to church. He would go like six to seven days of church. And we were always doing something. We were always like either fixing a toilet or a flag. I mean, or the sound or the flower beds or the weeds or you name it. Me and Mark did it. We were, he was, we, we were always together after I realized that Jesus was real. And you know what? God didn't heal me right away. Um, and, and where I'm going with this sermon tonight is in our call, in our mission, what God has called us to do, our commission, man, sometimes things don't look like the way we want them to. And they don't happen on our time. And what's, and what's happening so much in the body of Christ today is people are just throwing in the towel. 
they get uh, offended about something silly, about something happened. Somebody said something about them, and now they're not in church anymore. Or, you know, or wife's not in church, husband's not in church. They send the kids to church, but they don't want to. They don't want to be plugged in. They don't want to be a part of that. They don't want anybody to know their business. They want to hide. They, you know, they'll say, "Hey, you know, that's cool for you. You know, it's cool for you that you're on fire for God." You know. And there is this, this wave that seems to be happening right now where, where people are just so disconnected and so lackadaisical about the things of God. And it's just not a priority. People are like, well, what about my finances? What about me feeding my family? What about my job? What about, you know, what about uh, what I want? And that's where a lot of people are at, right? Jesus, where's mine? And unless it happens on my timing, I'm bowing out. That's what's happening, my friends. There are people not in the service today that should be here. When you, when you look at Acts chapter 13, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called for them. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Who said this? The, ho- the who? The Holy Spirit. He said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And I believe over every one of our lives, the Holy Spirit is saying something. He's saying, set apart Sandy Kruger for the work which I have called her. Set apart Jean Boyd. For the work which I have called. Set apart Christopher Pope for the work which I have called. And in this reality we're living in of people just giving up and throwing in the towel, it's so easy to forget what the Holy Spirit is saying over you. It's so easy to get right back up in the world and completely forget that the call on your life is not your call. You weren't the one that called. You were just the one that answered. And when people don't have that revelation, boy, they treat it cheap. Oh, I can do what all the other people are doing. I can blend in. No one will notice if I'm a Christian. What is the Holy Spirit saying over you? Set apart for me. Set apart for me, Stephen Walton. You see, when you're set apart for the work of God, you can't do what everybody else is doing. 
It's a divine call. It's not a church call. No pastor called you up. See, no pastor led me to Jesus. It's not a church's job to keep me saved. I got saved not because of a church, but because of Jesus encountering me. That's something that I must never forget. Because, my friends, you are going to face some disappointments. People are going to use you. You know what Jesus said? He said, for which of you desiring, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Is this okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to build you up to tonight. I'm not just going to hit you with the gospel gun. If it, it says in uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Everybody say, count the cost. Whether he has enough to complete it. Say, enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. See, Jesus saying, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, before that encounter I had with him in the movie theater, seeing the passion of the Christ, the Easter story, the, the resurrection Sunday, the crucifixion, the thorn stuck in his head, the, 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 the nails in his hands. Before all that, I was trying to find God the religious way. What's that? The religious way. See, I had more than enough church people. My dad made me go to Catholic church every Sunday. I got confirmed a Catholic as an atheist. I did that out of respect, you know, to mom and dad. Do you see what I'm saying? I knew, I knew church, man. Some people here, you know church. Say, I got, I've been, I've been good at church for years. Yeah, I know how to do church. Yeah, you know how to hide your business at church from church. See, some people know about the church system and they know how to be low, low key in the church system. But church isn't what saved me. What saved me was an encounter with Jesus. And so if you think just church is going to save you, you need an encounter with Jesus. 
Because when Jesus calls you, it's not a matter of just skipping church. You can't, it's, it's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than little offenses. It's so much bigger than little problems. And you can't forget that it is a divine call. This is your life. Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus, he's the author and he is the finisher of our faith. People all the time, they say, Anthony, how did you get to where you're at? Or when did you start seeing miracles? Or what was the revelation that you got that unlocked the miracles? Then there's the real general one. What's different about you? And I would give like these different answers, you know, well, I think it's this, I think it's that, you know. But one time my buddy, he came up and he corrected me. He said, Anthony, you want to know what's different about you? You tell people this, you tell people that, but you want want me to let you know what I saw? And I'm like, sure, bud. And he says, Anthony, you are always doing the stuff. You are always preaching. You are always doing evangelism outreach. You are always casting out devils and healings. You are always doing it. You never gave up. And I don't like to say that because, but it was him saying it. And I thought, you know what? That's true. You, that was a simple revelation, but a powerful one. And a lot of times in this how Christianity of America people just they think that hey I can bow out anytime I want I don't God works on my time on my schedule when I'm available when I have a weekend available And, and people think serving God wholeheartedly is something you can just walk away from. You just walk. Man, you can't walk away from that. Don't you know what happened to you on the cross? You gave it all, man. You didn't give a down payment of your life. You gave it all. There ain't nothing to go back to. What you got to go back to, man? Let me tell you something. My life stunk before I got saved. I ain't got nothing to go back to. I don't got plan B. And that's the kind of intensity you have to have for your life. Because it's not just, you know, God has an ordination for you. Everybody say, God has an ordination for me. 
Remember, the Holy Spirit is saying over you, set apart for me. I want you to plug your name. Instead of Barnabas or Saul, plug your name in there. Set up, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Karen Tossum. Tossum. I'm still learning your name, Karen. Set apart for me, Karen. And he's saying this over you because he knows what he has in your future, Karen. He knows what he has in your prophetic future. And when people come up and say, Anthony, man, what makes you different? How come you're actually casting out the devils and healing the sick and preaching all around the world? I said, man, I ain't ever give up. Are you tithing? Like, uh, I'm like, you ain't even saved in your pocketbook yet. Because when you sign up for God, it's not just like, okay, when I feel like it, it's like the army. Once you're in, you're in. They own you. They own your possessions. Your possessions belong to him. They belong to God. Everything belongs to God. What you wear, what's in your pocket, what's in your wallet, what's in your purse, it belongs to God when you signed up. And if giving a little 10% is too hard, then what's that say about our commitment level? Because, check it out, God will always make sure we have more than just 10% when we give our 10%. He would be going against His Word, but do we really trust Him to do that? And that's what our heart reveals in our giving. Man, my commitment to God, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and all your possessions. It's like, oh, preacher, now you're preaching too close to home, preacher. You better back up. You get off the pocketbook, preacher. And I was like, yeah, that's what you need. You need to hear about that. Because sometimes we can really see what our hearts are like based upon how we spend our money. Well, we can say we can say a lot of good things with our mouth, right? We can have a great talk, right? But what do we really know? How do we know where we're really at? How we spend our money. Are y'all still with me? I'm gonna I'm going through the whole book of Genesis. You're gonna have to count the cost, man. You're gonna have to another thing that gets people held back is anybody here ever felt overworked? You felt overworked, you know, like, oh boy, man, I feel drained. Anybody been there? You see, once you come to the cross, once you come to that place of like, God, I got to surrender everything. Because before I got saved, I was trying to figure out God with my atheist mind until I realized, oh, no, I got to lay it all down and get low and surrender. And so if you don't know your direction, 
This is a word for those that feel like they don't have direction. If you're not sure the direction for your life, it, it, the only place where you will find it is when you surrender everything. Because before I got saved and I was an atheist, I was just wandering around. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going, taking classes in college. I, that sounds good. Let me learn about that. You know, I didn't know what I was going to be. I didn't know. I mean, my dad's a doctor. My sister's a doctor. I didn't feel like being a doctor. And I was just directionless until I got to that encounter of the cross and I surrendered everything. And when I surrendered everything to Jesus, that's when I found my purpose. That's when I found my direction. Because I realized, I'm going to serve God with everything. I'm going to preach the gospel. That's my purpose. But when you feel overworked, it's like, oh, man, how can I do anything? So tired. John chapter 15, verse 5. John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from, ever say, from, for apart from me. Listen, you're a little human, right? I'm a little human too. And... Based upon that reality, we can't do nothing, right? We, they're, they're, we're too weak. God is God. We're flesh and bone, right? You cannot do nothing without God, apart from God. In order to do your call, the commission that God has for your life, the ordination you, God has for your life, you have to go with the Jesus model. It's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by him. Remember, say, be baptized by him. Who? Testing your reading comprehension. To be baptized by him. And what happened? Jesus went to John the Baptist. And, you know, John the Baptist is a picture of repentance, right? He was washing for repentance. And that's a kind of a, of a, of a surrender moment when you repent, right? Repent of your dead works. Repent of trying to make it happen on your own. So Jesus came as a picture to John the Baptist. Why? To be baptized. But Jesus didn't have any sin, but it says to fulfill all righteousness. It gave us a picture that when we are called of God, this is the first thing Jesus did in his ministry. He went to John the Baptist as a picture of coming to repentance, of surrender. And when he surrendered, that is when the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Because without him, you can do nothing. And in that moment, when the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, you see, Jesus did nothing without the Holy Spirit. Neither can we. When, that, when the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended, it's, the Father says from heaven, 
He says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Sometimes we feel overworked because we don't feel like anybody appreciates us. We feel overlooked because because maybe somebody else has a platform, somebody else has a podium, somebody else has this, somebody else has that. And but you see, the Holy Spirit isn't going to fall on one person and and not fall on another. What is the earmark of your ministry is that the Holy Spirit comes and lands on you. And in that moment of when the Holy Spirit comes and lands on you, that's when the Father is going to say, this is my beloved Gene Boyd in whom I'm well pleased. The seal of your ministry does not come from a man. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And who is it validated by? None other but the Father saying, this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm telling you this for a reason. Because sometimes in this ministry world, it's like, how come she got accepted for worship team and not me? Don't they know how heavenly my voice sounds? And we get, we get passed over at times. We start to compare ourselves among ourselves. And we start to look for man to validate us. Can man validate you? No, 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 no. It's the Father who validates you and says, This is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. And the seal of your ministry is the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, you can't do nothing. There's going to be field times... Like times where, man, how come nobody wants to hear me preach? Well, when you know that the Father says, this is my beloved Zach in whom I'm well pleased. You know, the first thing Jesus did, he didn't go to a church and start preaching. What did he do? He went to the desert to be tempted by the devil. Uh-oh. So you're saying when the Holy Spirit comes upon me and God validates me that, that, that the Holy Spirit isn't going to take me to get tempted by the devil? What happened to Jesus? And you know, that's where some of these people, they have this vision. Pastor Steve like, I had this vision, Pastor Steve of me standing in front of millions and millions of people. And I was preaching a powerful sermon. Everybody was getting saved. Everybody was getting healed. It's like, where are you at now, bud? Oh, I'm working at Starbucks. And these people, they have these powerful visions. Yeah, I'm doing this stuff. I'm preaching the gospel around the world in my dreams. And they wake up to reality. And they drive to work to go to a dead-end job. What happened? You see, it's the Holy Spirit coming down and showing them the prophetic future that they have available to them. That he, he has available for them. 
But when the test came, when the devil came, when the Holy Spirit allowed them to be tempted by the devil, they allowed the devil to take them down from their prophetic future. That's why they're at the same place that they were last year. Why? Because when the enemy came to tempt, they kept falling into the enemy's trap. Before you can be Jesus outside of the wilderness, you got to know how to be set apart. You have to know how to walk holy. You have to know how to hold your ground against the force of the devil. When he comes to tempt you, you got to know how to resist the devil and flee so that he'll flee from you. Because if you allow yourself to give in the temptation when you're in that wilderness after receiving the promise, you're disqualifying yourself from the real ministry that's down the road. It's a testing time. It's a trial time. You know, and we have all these temptations come at us. It's just the enemy to see coming to see if we'll take the bait. If we take the bait, we're just we're just ruining our own destiny. God can restore anything. Right? right? But, but it can be, um, God can restore anything, but there's just some things that can never be restored. Like if you shoot somebody, you know, it's hard to recover from a murder. And what I'm saying is we have to live holy. It says set apart. You have to live your life set apart from the world if you want to be an authority in the world. Because God has a call on your life and you cannot do all that God's called you to do if you're going to fall into the traps that all the world is falling into. One of those traps is going to be offense. I'm going to tell you a story. You know, one time there was this evangelist that he was connected with a church I used to be connected to. And he would threaten me. He, he told me that I had to use his manual, that I had to use his material when I went to minister places. He said he didn't want me uh, uh, getting people to operate in words of knowledge. He said he didn't. He, he told me that if I didn't do what he said, that he was going to go to the church leadership and tell and, and 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 just really smear me up. And this was connected with the church I was serving at faithfully. I mean, I, and and here I am serving faithfully at this church. You know what? This was a temptation. I could have chose to God offended. I could say, man, forget this church stuff. Evangelists be attacking me. These Christians are crazy. I don't want to go to this church anymore. I'm going to go do something else with my life. It was a temptation to get offended. When you're in ministry, you're going to have temptations to get offended. You're going to have... One time I had a pastor. I went to preach for him. And, and he said he was going to give me an offering, but he never gave me my offering afterwards. And then he called me back about three weeks later and said, Hey, uh, Brother D, God, the Holy Spirit's been convicting me. Uh, I was supposed to give you an offering. And I was like, Oh, okay. Oh, well, funny you should mention that. And he was like, 
Brother D, what do you think I need to do to correct this? And I'm like, oh, hmm. Well, let me think about that. Um, maybe, maybe an off, another offering, something like that. He's like, yeah, good idea. And he's like, okay, Brother D, I'm so, so sorry. We'll get on that right away. And I'm like, okay, Pastor, I believe you. God bless. Peace out. And so I left. And that pastor never called me again. And he never sent me anything. Period. And I ministered a lot of meetings for him. He said, oh, the meetings were great, Brother D. We really liked the meetings. Hallelujah. But I never saw those, what he said they were going to send me. You know, I could have said, these stupid pastors, these stupid evangelists, they, they'll rob you blind. And I could have got offended. See, that's a temptation. The devil wants to get you into a root of bitterness. He wants to get you into a root of offense so that you won't be plugged into the church because the Bible says those that are planted in the house will flourish. One of, one of the things I tell people when they ask me, Anthony, what's so different about you? I let them, I ask them, are you plugged into a local church? And they say, no. I'm called to this kind of ministry. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm like, well, who's your pastor? Who can tell you you're off if you get off? Like, Sir, I never get off. And there's this pride in, in people that they don't want to get plugged in. They don't want people to know about their life. They don't want to get planted. They don't want to get planted in the house of God. I'm telling you, in order to do what all that God has called you to do, you have to be planted. You have to be fed. You have to be well-nourished. In, in, in the local church... It's not a burden. People are not trying to control you. It's like, oh, I don't go to church. Then people are trying to control me. They're trying to use me. It's like, well, what are they trying to use you for? I don't know. It's like, you got a job, you got money? No. Well, then what are they trying to use you for? You ain't got nothing. But they're trying to control me, man. Get out of my case. It's like, no one's trying to control you. You're just paranoid. You know, trying to control me. Trying to use me. Let me let me help you out with something. This is going to help you in your walk, okay? It's going to help you where the rubber meets the road, okay? In ministry, people are going to use you. They are going to use you. You might as well get used to it, man. 
Jesus got used, right? He was wounded. He was beaten. He was scorched. Did Jesus get offended? No, when Jesus was carrying the cross in his ministry, you know, Jesus did nothing wrong, right? Jesus didn't do a single thing wrong. People were spitting on Anybody in church ever spit on you? Well, then you ain't got nothing to complain about. Because that's what happened to Jesus. He kept forgiving them. Anybody ever at church pulled out a whip and started whipping you? Well, that's what Jesus went through. And he forgave them. And people are like, Brother D, you just don't know what he did to me. You don't know what he did, man. What did he do? He called me fat. It's big bones. It's not that. And people get offended over stupid stuff, right? Stupid little stuff. And here's Jesus being whipped, beaten, and scourged, nailed to a tree, carrying a cross. And the whole time he's saying, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You, If you have a heart for God, you better be ready for people to use you. Just get over it. Chalk it up as Jesus' work. Chalk it up as, what does it say? Blessed are you when men despitefully use you. <laughs> That's what Jesus, blessed are you. See, God called it. Jesus called it before it was going to happen. Blessed are you when men despitefully use you. Chalk it up as you look like Jesus. You want to know how I learned how to, how to process this in my life? Because it started, it started to bother me initially. I was like. Who do these people think they are? It frustrates me when people are using me. And then I realized, you know, people are just needy. People have needs. They're like puppy dogs. Would you help me with this? And it's like, it's like, okay, I'll help you. I'll help you, 50-year-old church member still wearing pampers. I'll help you. People are just needy. You want to know how mature you are? By in the kingdom? By how many spiritual diapers you can change. Because either you're changing spiritual diapers or, or you're wearing spiritual diapers. There ain't no middle ground. You know, when you're a parent, you can't complain about how, what stank. You just got to do your business and throw it in the trash, right? Take off the diaper and throw it in the trash. It, you know, there ain't no use in complaining if something stinks. Right? It ain't going to go away if you complain. And it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. People are going to stink. They're going to do you wrong. Get used to it. You just got to love them like Jesus. Change the diapers and keep moving. Say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Got you clean here, buddy. 
I'm just being real, y'all. Become unoffendable. Everybody say, become unoffendable. Because as long as you're unoffendable, the enemy is not going to be able to slow you down in your car. He's not going to be able to disconnect you from the body of Christ. He's not going to be able to disconnect you from the Holy Spirit. He's not going to be able to single you out to be some kind of maverick so he can pick off your call. Because what he wants to do, he wants to divide and conquer. He wants to turn you into a lone star so now you're easy picking. And everything in our Christian walks, they will need to be done in the context of the local church. We have to serve. We have to be a blessing to the local church. God wants to use you to be a blessing in the local church. God wants to set you apart for this work. But how dead set are you? Are you going to give up? What's the end of your rope? Are you going to let something stupid hold you back? Are you going to let sin hold you back? Are you going to be in that same cycle you were 10 years ago? To say, oh, brother, I just got this struggle. You don't know. When I see that Skull commercial, I just can't help but pull out a can and start dipping. Oh, brother, help me. Pray for me. Oh, I feel free. And then and then three weeks, they're back to dipping. Oh, it was good prayer, brother. I just, the devil came back and he got me again. It's dipping. How, what is the length of time, duration of commitment? How, how committed to you are, are you to the things of God? I'm almost done. I'm almost done, y'all. Just stop moving around in your chairs. It's okay. I'm almost done. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. My friend, you are headed for something, okay? Look at me. You're, you're headed for something. You're not, you're not where you're always going to be right now. You have a journey ahead of you. You're going to face some disappointments. Now when I see disappointments, it doesn't bother me as much. I'm thinking, you know, this one ain't as bad as that crazy apostle story I heard. And I, there's some different stories I've heard of renegade fivefold ministers out there and it's like well this one isn't that bad and so you get to a place where you go through so much disappointments where disappointments don't throw you off so much anymore you just it's not as bad as somebody dying nobody died right so what's the problem any as long as somebody didn't die god can still redeem it and turn it around right so why are you dwelling on it for 10 years and letting it keep you in this holding pattern going around a, a mountain for 10 years listen god has something for you in your future and you have to stop making excuses. You have to pick up your cross. You have to lay down your life. You have to believe in the Holy Spirit, man. Because you have nothing else to go back to. You just don't. And either you're all in or you're missing God's best. Because God has something in your future. It's just like what the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me uh, Barnabas and Saul. And if, this is the last scripture. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And this is what's going to happen next. Are you ready? 
You're going to be used. You're going to be so close. You're going to be so tight with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be so anointed and appointed and ready to go and seasoned. There ain't no disappointment going to throw you off. No sin's going to throw you off. You're going to walk in right in to the devil's pit like Peter and John did amongst all those religious vipers. And, 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 and you're going to say, to that man that has a crippled hand or that leper or that lame person come up and they're healed. And it's going to be a powerful sign and people are going to hear you preach the gospel and they're going to look at you. Where do these people come from? How come they're so powerful? Why aren't they like us? And they're going to realize, oh, we never saw them drinking and smoking with us. They've been praying. They've been consecrating themselves. They've been set apart for the work of God. And look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? Because when you're out operating out of that place of tightness, of intimacy, of connection with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There is no force that can stop you. And if you think this is boring, you better buckle up tight because it is not boring. You're fixing to go around the world. You're fixing to go to, you're fixing to go to Switzerland. You're fixing to go to Africa. You're fixing to do things that are outside of your wildest dreams. Not because you could make it happen, but because you laid it all down and you said, Lord, do whatever. And he says, okay, I'm fixing to launch you. That's what God has called you to. And if you think this is just a joke or it's just a nice thing, you test it. You try it out. Because I'm telling you, I used to be an atheist. And now I preach the gospel in Taiwan, in Israel, in Africa, in South Africa. I'm telling you that it's real. If you go all in, it really, really works. And God will use you so powerfully. And you'll look back on your life and you'll see that God is those dreams that you had of the Holy Spirit hovering over you and, and speaking to you. They all came to pass. Because you wouldn't let anything stop you. That's your ordination. That's your commission. That's what God's called you to. He's called you to 10, 20, 30, 100 levels higher than where you're at right now. And it's that same pattern. Let the Holy Spirit surrender everything. Let the Holy Spirit hover over you. Release a fresh baptism on your life. And then go and don't make any apologies. Don't let people throw you off. Don't get offended. Don't get weary in doing good, as the Bible says, because God is always going to pay you back, man. God is always going to pay you back. And I want to I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. And if you're saying, Brother D, I've gone through some disappointments. I faced some hurts in my life, some things that I thought were supposed to work out. They didn't work out. And I've let that trip me up. And I need a breakthrough. I need a healing so I can walk in that prophetic future God's called me to. And I don't know how to process this, but I'm willing to believe the Holy Spirit to give me my breakthrough tonight. If that's you, I want you to run up here quick. Just run quick. Just run quick. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't don't waste no time. Just come quick. Just come quick. Come quick. Come quick. Come quick. Come quick. Anybody else? Come on. Don't waste any time. Just come quick. Come quick. Come quick. You're saying, Brother D, I gotta get through something tonight. 
I need a breakthrough, Lord. If that's you, just come quick. Come quick. Now, when you come up to this altar, I want you to count on God touching you. I want you to count on God blasting you. I want you to count on God breaking off those chains, off those barriers. If I could have a little music, please. I want you to count on God doing something so dynamic in your life that it sets you right on track for what God has for you. That prophetic future. Maybe you're thinking, I'm not going to be one of those types that just fall over, that just give up, that just throw in the towel. If a little church person makes me mad, I'm not going to throw in the towel, but I'm going to do everything that God has called me to do. I'm going to preach around the world. I can see myself doing that, and I'm going to believe God to launch me tonight. I'm going to believe God to turn some things around on my behalf. I'm going to believe God to turn around some finances so I can do what God's called me to do. I'm going to step into that ordination that He's called me to do. If I need to repent of some things I got myself into, I'm going to repent tonight. I'm going to set myself apart. I'm going to bring it under the blood of Jesus. I'm going to come to the cross. And I'm going to believe God to pour out His Spirit. Come on. Just focus on Jesus. Just close your eyes. It's not to me you're responding. It's to the Lord. And just just respond to Him. Only Him in your heart. And just begin to pray. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. If it just whatever, if you need to kneel, if you need to, what, however you feel led, just sincerely, passionately, just give it all to the Lord. Can we have like a little something with some uh, lyrics in it? My brother, thank you. Lord, we just pray right now for those that are here. Is there any more that's supposed to respond to this altar call? I want you to come quickly. Lord, we pray, God, for those that are here right now. Those that have been discouraged. Those that have been disappointed. That you would pour out a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire on them. That would just burn away all the shaft, all the barriers, all the hindrances. Come on, tap in with me, guys. There's an anointing for you. If you'll tap into what God is doing in this moment, there's an anointing, a breakthrough that's going to turn some things around. You're going to walk out of here instead of defeated. You're going to walk out on fire. You're going to walk out with a new lease on life. You're going to walk out with a new authority in your voice. God's going to restore your dignity. God, just pour out your fire on those that are here, God. Pour out your anointing on those that are here, God. We just pray for a commissioning, God. That you would restore, that you would launch those that are here into all that you've called them into. That they would not let anything, that they would not hold back anymore. But they would get that release, they would get that breakthrough, that haze, that cloud that's been following them around. Trying to keep them in a funkiness. Lord, I pray that you would break it off now in Jesus' name. Everything not of God, I command you to leave the people of God right now in Jesus' name. If you need to be in this altar call, I want you to come. I want you to come and just focus on the Lord. I'm going to come by and pray for people as as we're engaged in the Lord. We're going to believe the fire of God to baptize you. We're going to believe for an impartation. We're going to believe for the fire of the Holy Ghost to change your life tonight. The scripture says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. So tonight, you're going to get what you're hungry for. You're going to get what you're expecting. If you're expecting a lot, if you're yearning for a lot, if you're just burning for a lot, God's going to give you that tonight. Just draw out your hunger. Draw out your soul. Draw out your soul to the Lord in prayer. Focus your heart upon them, upon Him.
it's, it's, there's times when we have to contend for our call. There were dark nights in my life in the ministry when there was no one to turn to. There's no one to turn to but Jesus. And right now, turn to the Lord with all your heart. Rend your hearts and not your clothes. Jesus! 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 Touch! Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. There's a fire of God. There's a fire on your life right there. Just take it. Touch. Just take it. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Take it! Fire! Fire of the Holy Ghost on your life. Just take it. Let the fire of God burn through you there. Let the fire of God come on your life. Let the fire of God. When the power of God touches you, it's going to blast some things off of you. Fire! Take it, 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 take it. Fire! Fire! Fire God is going to change some things. When God puts you down, let Him do all that He wants to do in your life. Fire! Don't get out of that hospital bed of the Holy Ghost. Lord, increase your fire in this place. Increase that revival fire, God. Burn hot on everyone, God. Minister to them as they're out under the power of God. Burn deep with the fire of God, living flame of God. Just burn in Jesus' name. Burn. Father, just touch them, God. Fire! You need that fire. The devil's going to come after you with his fire. You need the heavenly fire that burns hotter. Jesus! Anyone else, just come up for prayer if you want prayer. The fire of God is hot tonight. More, 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 more.